From Glitch HQ on Riverside Avenue in this just-in Minneapolis, this is Nice Games Club, the show where nice game devs talk gaming and game development. I'm Martha McGarry, and I make nice games. I'm Stephen McGregor, and I make nice games. And I'm Martha Croy, I too make nice games. In this episode, your nice hosts bring you a nice games bulletin. We discuss the latest news from the broader world of video games, or at least as latest as we are able. And so, if everyone's ready, let's start. <laughs> That's what we did last time, right? <laughs> well, now it's a thing. Yeah. Oh, dang it. Now I have to do it every time. Every <sighs> time. <laughs> Welcome to the news. Yes. With us. All the news that's fit to pod. <laughs> We've picked a bunch of things uh, mm-hmm. to talk about. Um, but first, we start with new releases or, you know, somewhat newish. Yeah. Because, like, I think Sekiro's been out for a while, but that's on this list. Uh, (laughs) well listeners who may be new to the program should know that our our bulletin episodes are basically just what's happened recently (laughs) yes we we don't do these uh, every week so um we're going to talk about stuff that we've heard about and is on our minds from the last month or so Mm -hmm. right right um so starting with the new releases these aren't in any particular order but Mm -hmm. things to note um shakira shadows died twice came out Mm -hmm. um and it uh i think we'll talk about this later but like uh it has launched like a uh, difficulty discussion within game dev twitter yeah isn't it also like the fighting games of dark souls of fighting games <laughs> like <laughs> or something yeah actually kind of yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> at least that's what i've heard i haven't played it yet but it seems super up your alley yeah i know <laughs> don't you have to do lots of like stealth things and stuff like that mm-hmm. yeah i was but- watching a video which i can't remember which one so i'm ne- not never mind never mind <laughs> okay <laughs> <laughs> yes um also uh risk of rain 2 came out sort of in early access i've been playing that a lot that's why i put it It looks so cool it's really fun um tell me about that game yes so the original risk of rain is a 2d platformer uh roguelike um where like oh so close you almost had me (laughs) (laughs) very minimalist art yeah yeah and you play as like little tiny uh people it's like basically. poly pocket but mm. a rogue like <laughs> yeah and, and you fight like things. a uh, increasingly larger enemies uh-huh. and, like and they spawn a ton of them at you yeah um in this new game they've somehow managed to transition from 2d to 3d and it's a, a sh- it's a third person shooter but like it still feels very similar to the old game hmm. um like I, i'm surprised at how much i was really worried about yeah. it because i don't normally like shooters but like with this game it's basically risk of rain which you got to aim a little bit <laughs> <laughs> that's um, interesting because yeah, i think the um you know when mario went for 2d to 3d yeah it, all every all the mechanics were new but it still felt like mario yeah so that sounds like a similar achievement yeah. they've done which yeah. is hard to do right mm-hmm. yeah it, what it, other it, series have pulled off that transition yeah not not sonic hasn't <laughs> <laughs> i mean i wasn't gonna say anything <laughs> someone had to <laughs> um also uh what came out uh yoshi's crafted world <laughs> <laughs> I want it. It looks extremely cute. Yeah, like I, I'm afraid of touching it because I might die of cuteness. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but I, basically the art is all like paper and yeah, like yarn, handcrafted and, things. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's everything is miniaturized and like the build mill cartons are buildings. And, yeah, and the the central mechanic of the game is that um, you play through each level twice. Uh, once with the camera forward facing, and then the whole world turns around, mm-hmm. and then you you look at everything from the from behind, like the uh. like, like behind the scenes, sort of. And yeah. so you see all of the little paper craft buildings. You see the the 
the reverse of it where there's no back wall and there's tape holding it down and, yeah. and, uh-huh. and sort of like it reveals new ways you can interact with the the, the sort of crafted world oh that's, that's very so cute cool yeah and yoshi's this little fuzzy sort of stuffed animal type yeah yeah oh, man felted oh man have you guys ever t- tried needle felting just as an aside <laughs> it's pretty great Is anyway it? continue <laughs> <laughs> it's very fun you basically just poke wool until it's a shape ah hey mm. it's great anyway later <laughs> yes. that's an aside yeah. listeners you should try it too it's very fun yeah um, <laughs> But that's what that's what Yoshi looks like to me. It's like a needle faulted thing. Yeah, mm. um, which was exciting for me. Yeah. Um. Another news. Uh, Islanders came out. Yeah, I think it's out. I was reading a Polygon article, which we'll link. Um. They've been doing a lot of like indie game reviews lately, like mm-hmm. stuff on Itch, which is really cool. Yeah. Um. I've really liked all the articles they've done so far on that. Um. And this Islanders game looks really fun. It looks like it's like a mini like city building civilization type game. Um, and the art is all like low poly, um, little cities and it looks really cute and cool. Yeah. So I'm excited about that. Hmm. That's cool. Um, the Labo VR kit is coming in a week. Yes. 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 Yeah, to support it. Oh, is it? Is it not coming out of the same day? It's not. The, I don't think it's the same day. Okay. I don't remember offhand, but the the announcement had uh, uh, said said what yeah. it was. We'll put it in the notes. Of yeah. Uh, yes, but yeah, I'm 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 interested in how that's going to go down because like I I think from what I understand, Super Mario Odyssey is going to have like a mini game that supports the VR thing. Yeah. Breath of the Wild is going to have like actual VR support. Just VR mode. Yeah. Where you just is, watch yeah. Link from above, I guess. And of course, oh, the, the that imme- makes a lot more sense because it was like, how are they going to do that? Right. Like, yeah. <laughs> because you can't. Can you do like? the the teleport movement with just i suppose you could with just the switch yeah right. maybe I don't, I don't know yeah i think um people's first reaction to learning that because the video that announced it mm-hmm. uh showed off these little they call them bite-sized experiences for mario odyssey yeah but then showed off the um just clips of zelda <laughs> and, and, like that you've seen it you know with the third person camera and everything mm-hmm. so it's like they didn't even capture new footage specifically because you can imagine um, VR games that do third person yeah. generally have you as an, a, an Im- a non-moving observer. Right. But for for a game like this, if it just fully supports it, you're going to be moving the camera with the right stick, mm-hmm. and that's going to maybe be not super perfect. But yeah. you know, uh, for um, you know, uh, comfort. Um, but uh, the way it looked in the clip they showed it, the camera continued to orbit around Link, which is oh. definitely a no-go for a yeah. VR game. Mm. So I'm not sure what they're going to do exactly. It might just be that you that. It's just the normal game, including camera orbiting and all of that, like a third-person action game has. But that when you move your head, it also rotates the camera from its actual position. Like you know what I mean? To, yeah. For something, oh, just a, yeah, just a yeah, quick, yeah. simple, uh, which is I think fine. I think people would be comfortable. Or, I mean, they wouldn't be maybe physically comfortable, but they'd be mm-hmm. happy with that. Yeah. That's enough. Um, but uh, but yeah, the, uh, people were also saying like, well, the switch, this resolution's too low, and oh, it's got to hold this cardboard thing to your face, like. Yeah, but Zelda in VR, so don't complain. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm largely concerned about like how they're going to get the frame rate to be stable because like Breath of the Wild doesn't <laughs> run at 60 frames all the time regularly. Oh yeah, that's true. So it, it's going to go into GameCube mode, I think. Yeah, it's going to do. It's going to have to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I suppose like we talked about in the episode when my brother came on to the show mm-hmm. to show off some of the VR stuff we were working on at the time. Um like if you're not near, like if you're going in Zelda across this pl- the plains where there aren't very many things, like I think that would be mm-hmm. okay because as long as you're not moving right next to something, it's usually fine. 
uh, climbing, which is a huge part of that game. Oh, You're yeah. So near to that might the, be a the problem. Face. <laughs> might not be awesome. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Yeah, I'm no, excited. Incidentally, I think jumping off a big high cliff or mountain and then uh, gliding all the way down into Hyrule Field will probably feel great. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah, because you're just moving one direction. Yeah, so. and there's nothing near you, right? Mm-hmm. And so it'll be very much uh, more like a vehicle simulator, which VR does pretty well, at least in those moments. So I'm super looking forward to it. Like, I, I, I'm definitely going to get one of these things. Yeah. Like, even if, ju- even if it's just an afternoon of novelty, like, good enough for me. Like, that's cool. I'd love to try it. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Uh, also... Uh, the Division Two came out mm-hmm. somewhat recently. I never know what to feel about that game. <laughs> I, I don't know. It's a it's one of them ludum shootums. Yeah. So uh, there was a great headline I saw. I don't remember who posted it, but I'll, I'll dig it up. Where someone said like, "Oh, the Division Two has a lot to say, but you can't hear it over all this, the sound of gunfire." <laughs> <laughs> I was like, mm, "That sounds about right." <laughs> yeah. yeah, that game's really like all both of them are really beautiful, and I love the UI in them. I think I talked in some previous episode about the talk I saw at GDC about the mm-hmm. UI development, which like sounded so cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but then the, the, like you're just shooting citizens, which I mean, they're bad quote unquote, <laughs> but are they, should you as a government agent be just shooting random people? That's really bad. It's, it's, it, has all, <laughs> it has all the concerns that uh, Tom Clancy, some anything has. Yeah. yeah pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Which is like, okay, I guess I'll just have to put that aside if I actually want to enjoy this thing. Well, if Which is a common feeling in video games. <laughs> you like numbers. It's got that. It does. It's Wait, does it like numbers flying off of people? Oh, like I don't that know. That kind of numbers? That. Oh, I mean, like, yeah. You, it's a I looter thing. Yeah. So, like, you keep getting granted of new guns. So, I, I guess they probably oh, okay. would give you numbers. Yeah. That'll make it for more satisfying. The UI is great. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If um, you should, uh, if you're interested in that kind of stuff that Martha's bringing up, the when the division, the first one came out, there were a bunch of GDC talks about a bunch of different elements of its development. So, you mm-hmm. can go look for those on YouTube or if you have access to the GDC vault, um, check out those old talks because they, they get into it, I think. Cool. Let's get into the news. Wingspan is a thing that Martha put on this list. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Explain. Uh, yes. <laughs> so, you know how I've said on this show that um, I don't like board games? Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm going to have to put that title away, too, because wow. this is a board game and I really like it a lot. <laughs> it's all about birds mm-hmm. or burbs, as you might say. Uh-huh. And it's really great because... Um, like it follows Steven's advice that um, your narrative should match your gameplay and mechanics. And so this doesn't really have a narrative, but each bird, like they're real birds from North America that are featured on all these cards in the game. And the mechanics of how you use the cards match the behaviors that those birds do in real life. So like if you have a bird that stashes food for the winter, you can stash extra food tokens on your bird card. But you can't eat them. You can just stash them. Okay. Um, and then like there are carnivore uh, birds that like owls and things. Um, and when you play those cards, you can draw cards from the deck and eat any that are small, smaller than you are in the certain range um, hmm. that they actually okay. would eat. Yeah. Um, and then there are cowbird cards and cowbirds in real life don't actually make nests they find someone else's nest and then push other eggs out and put their own egg in um, and, then, yes, and then those birds end up feeding and taking care of and raising the the cowbird so you can like there's a mechanic where you lay eggs in the game and your cowbird card can't lay eggs unless someone else in the game lays an egg oh. <laughs> 
That's cool. Yeah. So this is a how this is a brand new game. Yes, I think we should probably put it up in new releases. I was but gonna say it's in news because the news is is that you like board games. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's the real yes. that is that is breaking news people. <laughs> It's so good. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. And the whole object of the game is to try to like uh, uh, just like have lots of birds in your in your habitats, mm-hmm. so which is really cool. Uh, and I really like it a lot. And you can there's like this little birdhouse that you put the, the dice in to roll the dice yeah. for food and stuff. Yeah. Oh, man. It's so good. It's, <laughs> and there's little eggs, like these little <laughs> little eggs that you put on the, your nest cards and stuff. Uh-huh. And it's so great. And all the all the cards have like scientific illustrations of the birds on them. Yeah. It's so good, and but the publisher didn't think. Unfortunately, didn't think that it was talking for another hour. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is wonderful, <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> but anyway, so it's really hard to get right now yeah. because oh. the publisher didn't realize um, that it was going to be really popular, oh. which I don't understand because Not a bad it's to have. an amazing game. So yeah. yeah, they sold out like immediately. Oh, cool. um, okay. So, so right now they're in um, restocking mode, mm-hmm. and will probably be out this summer again and at local stores. Um, as soon as May, if you pre-order it, awesome. so. you got to keep tabs on that if you want to get new Burb game. Yes, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's it's so good. Yeah, and the, one of the people who made it was an actual like bird scientist person. So yeah, that's why it's so accurate. Oh, okay, oh. awesome, awesome. That's, it's yeah. so awesome. Dang, I really want to check that out. Speaking of board games, mm-hmm. um, board game news. Um, our pals at Leader Games. Oh yeah, um, they're uh, in the midst of a Kickstarter. Ah. I believe it's still going on, even when this episode comes out. Uh nope, it's over. But <laughs> but don't worry because it uh did really really well. Um, it uh, one point seven million dollars for Root, the oh, underworld wow. expansion. Oh goodness! Yeah, and the original Root, uh, which you know won a bunch of awards. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, it it did. Um, it just won uh South by Southwest, um, best board game. Oh my gosh! Um, yeah, and uh, it made a big splash at Gen Con last year, yeah. and like it's it's a huge, huge success. Mm-hmm. And uh, that original Kickstarter was like six hundred thousand dollars, and that's off the back of uh, Leader Games' first uh, game, uh, Vast, mm-hmm. which did really well as well. But then Root did even better. Yeah, and this expansion, one point seven million dollars, so wow. fantastic, made here right in our community. Yeah. Oh man, that's just that's wonderful. I'm yeah. So happy for them. Uh, EA layoffs. I feel like people haven't been talking about this mm-hmm. but um it's it's the same story with with activision really a uh, ton of people i think specifically in like marketing yeah uh, the marketing field and such were uh right redundancies or whatever right quote quote unquote yeah right right um uh were laid off at ea um yeah um so i guess it's like the same story but i feel like people didn't bring it up very much this mm-hmm. time or like there was an article and people were like, Oh, this is a shame. Yeah. This needs to stop happening. And then that was it for the, the day. Right. Right. Uh, well, I think the twist with Activision was that it was, um, it was uh, blizzard and Activision had actual redundancies. Yeah. And, and so it was a, there was a, a greater focus to that story, which is Activision bringing more things in house, you know, efficientizing their, co- co- you know, uh, that, that, it gave it some dimension, something to lack onto them, sure. other than just a bunch of people got fired. Yeah. Whereas EA, a bunch of people got fired. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. It's just sad. And I wanted to bring it up because, like, it keeps happening and we should do something about it. And we we're trying to, we're trying to, like, keep notice on that here on the show uh, because, like, it's, you know, it, it keeps people away from the industry. And we, oh, yeah. We try to, you know, we want to promote the industry. So trying to do what we can here. Um, but I don't know. Just, Keep 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 bringing it up. Keep mentioning it. Know uh, know that it's happening. Yeah. Um. 
tell people about it. Hopefully something can get done. That's all I have to say about it. <laughs> <laughs> here, here. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, in other news, uh, the Anthem article on Kotaku, this was a huge thing. Uh, like uh, Speaking of toxic work environments, possibly. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, Jason Schreier, who has reported on uh, other uh, things happening in other studios. Like, like Crunch is his beat. Yes. Yeah. yeah. This isn't, he's the one who did the Blood, Sweat, Pixels book? Yep. And yeah. he did a, a expose on uh, Rockstar for... Uh, uh, right. On, uh, on Crunch. Too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so... Uh, he did an article on the development of Anthem and like how um, the the Bioware was uh, seemed very uh, lawfully about like what they wanted the game to be until about a year before the game came out, mm-hmm. um, and so it, it which is like way way fast like way too little time yes. for a triple A game. <laughs> oh yeah, the game was in development for eight years, I believe, um, and um, really it only came together in that last year, and like by came together, I mean started production and finished production within a year. Um, and this was supposed to be uh, like their, their triple A huge game. Like they called, they, uh, the codename for the game was Dylan because they wanted it to be like the Bob Dylan of video games. Yeah. Which it was this sort of aspirational idea yeah. of, but this was before loot shooters even existed. Yeah. They were like, we want our next thing to be the Bob Dylan of video games. The thing yeah. that people reference and refer to all the time, mm-hmm. uh, which is like, I mean, it's a you know the it's hubris, obviously. But yeah. imagine if the game was great, we'd have thought that that, that we'd have thought upon that story differently. That very visionary, it's very true. Um, but there's something almost sort of innocent and charming about that kind of goal. Yeah. You know? Well, but, but that like, ultimately was the problem. Yeah, they didn't totally have enough was. concrete plans. They did exactly. They wanted something to be great, but they didn't know what it was that they wanted to be great. They just believed in themselves. Yeah. In a way, and then had believe, enough runway to... Believe! <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and they, they kept bringing... In, uh, Jason brought up in the article several times about, like, Bioware magic. Like, mm-hmm. everything will come together in the end. Yeah. Um, and that's, like, kind of a scary thought when you're developing a thing for eight years, and you're... You as a, you know, just a worker is, is like, hey, is, is, this, is this game okay? Or is this going to work all right? And everybody up, up top is like, yeah, it's going to work just fine. Mm-hmm. When really, in reality, it's it's not it's not well, working it's, out okay. It sounded like they were also hampered by the technology that EA, because they were bought up by EA, yeah. uh, that EA was like making them use because they all had to use the Frostbite engine or whatever. That's true. Oh, yeah. yeah. But, you know, Frostbite and, apparently has been a big problem for a lot of EA studios. Yeah. It was a corporate mandated decision to use this engine. Yeah, but I, I came away from that article thinking that, you know, EA in this scenario was not the bad guy. <laughs> because like aside from the engine thing they didn't really do anything to like i feel like this was mainly borrowers oh yeah yeah yeah. and the story is really clear about well what's interesting about it is Mm -hmm. that it no one really comes off as a villain exactly yeah and the the uh, the response from bioware which was uh, hilariously posted before the article uh was out (laughs) yeah and and they they didn't have enough time they didn't read the article Mm -hmm. it's fairly obvious it was just basically like, oh, we don't approve. We don't like things that tear down individuals. And they tried to spin it as like, oh, because a bunch of people are named in the article, mm-hmm. um, that it's this sort of like hit piece. Yeah. And um, that's it's obviously a mischaracterization. But right. but more than that, the article really does humanize even the bad actors. Yeah. It really, it, it, you totally understand where it went wrong, why it went wrong. And you, I, I can't imagine someone coming away from that with any like hate in their hearts for the people who made these mistakes um, as much as you would, you know, you'd want them, you know, to be, you want someone want to, them blame. to, to uh, take into account. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, yeah, it's just a, it's a story of people and it's mm. really, really fascinating. Yes. Yes. 
So definitely check it out. You've all probably all read it already. Yes. <laughs> but if you haven't, it's in the show notes. Yes. <laughs> um, Martha, I'll let you take this one. I'm going to pass on. the microphone. I want to turn my headphone volume down first <laughs> before we start this. Okay, go ahead. Okay. Okay. I'm going to pass the mic to someone else. Okay. So I think she can say it better. Uh oh. <laughs> Martha is here to tell you about the next coolest game in video game history. It's called Borderlands 3, and it's going to be amazing and awesome, and I'm very excited for it. Okay, back to everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> yes. There's going to be lots of guns and shooting, and it's going to be great, and lots of explosions and numbers flying everywhere. Yep. Yep. <laughs> There's lots of cool new character classes to play, and lots of cool new environments, and it looks just like Borderlands 2, which is really all we all ever wanted anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Also guns that walk, I guess. Also guns that have legs <laughs> and walk, and it's going to be great. Okay, I'm done for reals this time. Yeah. Whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. <laughs> that was wonderful. Thanks, thanks, Martha. You're welcome. <laughs> Yes, Borderlands 3 is coming this year, in fact, right? I'm so excited. I think they leaked that it was supposed to come out in August or something. Some, I feel like something. Got, I can't remember. Well, I don't know. It, it'll be out this year at mm-hmm. the very least, right? Um, yeah. And it looked, and I mean, I'm excited for it, too. Mm-hmm. I, I like the other Borderlands games, and I specifically like this one because I always play as the Siren characters. And finally, they added a Siren character that just has a bunch of fists and punches things. And that, that's how I played all the other Siren characters. So, like, I'm this is my home now. Wait, you played, like, Maya punching people? Uh, I think. That's hilarious. I mean, that would totally work. Yep. yep. That's really funny. It must have, because I did okay. <laughs> um, but this game is uh, going to be an Epic uh, Store exclusive for the first six months it's out. Yeah. Which has caused a lot of internet shenanigans. Yes, because it always does. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) um, Yeah, a lot of people were uh, review bombing Borderlands 2 and 1 because Borderlands 3 is not coming out on their preferred platform. Right. And review bombing, I mean, if people don't know that term, it's like a relatively new term, but it's fairly self-explanatory. Yeah. Just giving a bunch of bad reviews all at once on Steam specifically. Yes. Uh, Right. Uh, Yeah, this is only a Steam issue. Um, but Steam came and actually is doing something about it and like canceled the review bomb or something? Well, they instituted a policy uh, after, uh, I don't know if it was direct result, but uh, Metro Exodus uh, had a similar issue when it was announced. And uh, Valve handled all that terribly. We talked about it on the show a while back. Actually, in our last bulletin, I think. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, And and so they uh, sometime after that, uh, either as a result or, or guided by that, announced this policy of like, oh, when we algorithmically detect review bombs we will uh um you know we we give the developer some tools to hide the reviews and it becomes more of a like okay we have a problem now we can be a little more hands-on to actually do something about it yeah and this seems to be the first instance of that system kicking into gear Ah. um to to sort of help borderlands like it needs it (laughs) yeah (laughs) but i mean it's it's hopeful that other games that are review bombed that are not as popular and big as borderlands yeah maybe will be helped by this i don't know what to feel about any of it because like on one hand i understand people being upset that it's going to be on epic because epic's not necessarily any better than steam but by all accounts the experience is much worse like it doesn't have a lot of the features or anything um, which is it's brand new of course it's not going to have as good of an experience right you know so people who are just they feel inconvenienced by it 
you know, not just having to buy it at another store, like, you know, tying the violin for that, but mm. the actual, the other features that you get from, you know, having something on Steam. I had yeah. a tiny violin around here somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but even that, so, you shouldn't go and review bomb a thing, so right. I don't agree with that at all. Mm-hmm. The problem is, is that the review bombing here in this case is people who are like super fans of Steam. Right. Yeah. And yeah. so, you know what I mean? And so, it, interestingly, it's like, oh, uh, you know, and we know that Valve is bad at this. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, their response to Metro Exodus, I'm still steamed about, like, <laughs> to use a phrase, yeah. I'm still upset with, like, the way that they just publicly posted this, like, oh, basically, yeah. uh, you know, uh, basically a lie about, like, the, the situation to that, that game's page. Like, that's yeah. just absolutely terrible abuse of their platform. Mm-hmm. Um, but the fact that they are the ones now in charge of tamping down you know, their own super fans who are protecting Steam from Epic's invasion or whatever. Like, it just seems like all all this conflict of interest. And not that I don't trust them to use this system. And like, I don't think it's good for them to let these reviews stand. Mm -hmm. Um, But it just seems like I I just have a hard time caring one way or another whether that system works or not. Do you know what I mean? It's going to, review bombing is going to hurt much more um, indie games right. that get bad press yeah. or have there's a thread on Reddit which tells them to to disagrees with the developer's views uh-huh. or something. And I and once once the system benefits a developer like that, yeah, then I will take it seriously. Yeah, yeah. yeah the first one just ha- that benefits just happens to be because Epic Store is a little suspicious. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you know, it is swooping into defense of Gearbox software. Like I don't care. Yeah. I don't. I just don't care. Like yeah. those people don't need the help. And I mean, it's. I mean, maybe it's like testing the system out in the wild about, with actors where none of it matters is probably good. That's so, true. That's true. But that is actually a good point. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm honestly, I'm kind of glad that Borderlands 3 is coming out on Epic because like then more people will. It's competition against Steam. Yes. Yeah. Which is, yeah. I mean, the good thing about it. Yeah. I think uh, we sort of all came to a consensus that like Epic's existence as a storefront is good. Mm-hmm. It, regardless of like them specifically, we're not supporting epic yeah but just that competition is yeah. really valuable yeah and i mean there were uh, there have been other storefronts but they've all been developer specific like origin is ea specific games yeah. and things like that um but epics the epic store is supposed to be for you know other things not just epic games yeah and which is interesting because like they they are they have an engine and they're a publisher and right. you know one day one day long ago valve used to be that too yeah but <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> so maybe we're looking at the future of Epic Games. You know, Perhaps. like the, the Fortnite will run forever, just like Counter Strike runs forever. Mm-hmm. But then there'll be maybe. Yeah, that, you know that could be that could be it. Mm-hmm. I, I want to ask you, Martha, about we've talked on the show before. Borderlands is your favorite video game. Yes, 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 yes. Like that series is a favorite. <laughs> um, but uh, in the past year or so, lots of news about. Gearbox's founder Randy Pitchford. Yeah, and like I, I would. Well, I can't it's hard imagine to know that. about those too because the guy making all those things sounds real crazy. Like the yeah. guy suing him or whatever mm-hmm. sounds a little bit office rocker, also. So, <laughs> well, I can't imagine. <laughs> I I can't imagine you defending Randy Pitchford in these in these stories. It's yeah. absolutely wild. But then this is your favorite game. Yeah, I've had struggles about yeah. that. It's hard to know. Yeah. And I mean, sometimes your love of a thing can give you blind spots. And if you if you know that, then maybe you can just be fine with that. Yeah. I mean, I just see it that so many of the people have made a game. It's not like you hate all Pixar things because John Lester is a really awful person. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's easier for me because I'm not in, I'm not into Borderlands. So I can yeah. just easily say like, well, you know, I'm, I don't need to give it a, a, a second thought. Yeah. Um, well, I, I mean, I feel like sort of conflicting. I, I, I don't know. I feel like emotional conflict with this stuff, too, because like. 
Um, maybe somebody somebody made this thing that I really like, but I don't like the person. Yeah. Um, how how do I balance that? Should I support the thing if even if I really like the thing, is it is it worth it? I don't know. There's there's a lot of questions you have to ask. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this isn't exactly news because it's been it's not new news, but like we mm-hmm. want to talk about it anyways because we didn't get a chance to talk about it during the GDC special. But uh, Google Stadia, state Stadia. Am I pronouncing that correctly? Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> is uh. I like to say Stadia because it sounds Swedish. It to me. looks like Stadia or Stadia. <laughs> I don't know. Anyways, it's a thing. It exists. Google is trying a new streaming service that doesn't have a lot of details still, yeah. but um, you are able to. You'll be able to like play AAA games and stuff by on any device, and they'll you'll stream directly from like Google's uh, cloud or whatever it is. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's that's basically the impression. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's, that's all. That was all the details. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um. And I, uh, we, should, we should talk about that. We didn't mm-hmm. get a chance to talk about the GDC, but um, we have opinions. Um, I, I, I think that, like, in general, this is fine. Um, I think that it's going to be, like, for a weird audience, though, because it's going to be for people who don't have access to, um, they don't have access to, like, a high-quality PC mm-hmm. um, so they can play all these fancy games or, or consoles. Because uh, I think like uh, uh, Assassin's Creed is announced on it, right? Uh, the newest one. Odyssey. I think so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's going to be for people who have high quality internet and will be able to stream this service. Um, because uh, if like the if the if 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 you have a really bad connection, then like there's not really going to be a point in playing it because you're just going to uh, lag a bunch of. Um, during the playtime, and so like that won't be worth it for you. Uh, they did make a, an um, an effort to talk about how it will scale down in terms of yeah. re- resolution and quality for different uh, 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 internet speeds. Yes, and the, okay. the goal anyway is to be able to get a at least um, seven twenty style HD stream. Okay, um, for uh, people with with you know standard U.S. residential internet. Ah, okay. um, without needing like a you know. Which isn't to say there won't be drops or whatever, or isn't yeah. to say that there won't be a, su- a successful rollout. Yeah, because uh, you know how these things go. Mm-hmm. But they they're they're trying to make it clear that they're not just pitching it to people with fiber or with yeah. commercial internet, right? Um, and so in that way, I think that it's a good thing because like it allows it to be accessible to people who can't aff- who don't who either don't want fancy computers or cannot afford fancy computers, mm-hmm. um, and they have decent internet. Um, which I think most people have, a lot of people anyways, have decent internet. Well, I mean, that, I think in the city, but if yeah. you get out into the boonies, it That's yeah. true. gets harder and harder to get proper internet and then harder and harder to have any choice in which internet you get. Yes. Oh, yeah. Also true. There's not as many providers yeah. out in the countryside. So. Right. But yeah, it does make it accessible for people who, yeah, can't, they can't get those things, but they have a decent internet. Um, which I think is a good thing, mm-hmm. but aside from that, I don't know. Like that audience, that audience specifically seems very small to me. You think so? I think so. I think the thing that interests me about it mm-hmm. is is the is like you described that sort of democratizing influence. And yeah. I think the the audience who would pick that up and become part of that hardcore uh, AAA gaming audience, yeah. I think it's a potential waiting to be tapped. Okay. Um, because you think about the people who are, you know, like PC gamers, sure. right? Yeah. It's people who can, uh, who not only have the time, but the money and the, 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 the resource allocation to like build a beefy gaming rig and yeah. be part of that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, which isn't to say you can't, you couldn't get a cheap computer and play, you know, games on. Um, yeah. But 
the the community, the culture of it is built around um, the those people who can do that, who are more part of that. Yeah. Um, and then yeah. what that means is that the games that are made and marketed mm-hmm. then mar- are made and marketed for those people. Right. And so I think it, having access to AAA experiences where all you need is, um, you know, the the sixty dollar, more like the eighty dollar controller, and like a Chromecast capable something, sure, um, which is a much broader range of the public. Uh-huh. Um, I think that that means those people can then participate in that culture yeah. at a, at a, 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 a with let fewer barriers. Sure, yeah, and then it may take a while. Um, and it may not be Google the one to make this successful, but then that means that games can be made and marketed to those people, yeah. which is everybody. Yeah. And that's a, that's a big thing we've talked about on this show. Like more games, more people making games, more people playing games yeah. makes all games better. Yeah. And I think this is like the, f- and I, I don't think enough people are, it's very Pollyannish and it's very optimistic, mm. but I think that is the, that is the reason I'm excited about sure. this. Sure. Yeah. I guess I, yeah, I'm just less optimistic about that possibility right. in this instance. Right. You're um, not sure if, if they build it, people will come. I, yeah, I'm not sure if Google builds it, people will come. <laughs> yeah. But I, I think that, I think, like, I'm really excited about all of that that, that, that you brought up. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just don't necessarily think that this is the time or, or, or I guess, right for this to happen. Uh-huh. That's, I guess, my thought. I, I, I'm less, I'm more pessimistic about it right. taking off at this moment. I don't like it because it then removes another, like, level of ownership of things. Like, now that, now that we have all these different things that let you not have attachment to, as meant to one storefront on PC, mm-hmm. like if you want chat stuff, you have Discord and Slack and all these other things, so you don't need Steam for that. Mm-hmm. You don't need Steam for a lot of the things. So um, there should be more DRM-free games yeah. that you can buy, and this would not let you... Like They haven't even announced how you would be paying for this yeah, because it wouldn't yeah. be free. Right. Yes. So That's you, a huge problem. <laughs> um, and like how, how would you get access to the games? Like it would be a monthly thing or do you have to pay for each game and then only get access for, for a certain amount of time? It seems that the, the there's those, an, those aren't answered questions, mm-hmm. but it seems likely, at least from the reporting that's been done is that the, the access to the service will be free, but no games will be free, but then you will pay for games. The question is, is like, and you know you spend sixty dollars on a triple A game, then you need to rely on the existence of that service. Yeah. It's different from say Netflix, whereas Netflix goes down, you're like, oh well, I didn't lose my copy of this or that. Yeah, you know, which is it's almost psychological in a sense. Mm. Um, but uh, there's an interesting model for this exact thing, which is in Japan, um, Assassin's Creed or where they have uh, ubiquitous, very good internet. Uh, yes, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> um, there is a service that um, that uh, streams games to the Switch. So oh. um, Final Fantasy, okay. maybe 13, I don't remember. And uh, an Assassin's Creed Odyssey, which is the game that Google used to test its service mm-hmm. last fall. Mm-hmm. Um, those are out on Switch. You can get oh. those games on Switch. Weird. Um, they just, they're streaming. Mm-hmm. And you pay the full price for them. But you have access for something like 720 days. Oh. So basically, the, the rough life, it's, it's a reasonable amount of time. If I buy a AAA yeah. game, I don't expect to need it for that long. Yeah. And, and maybe I'd be like, oh, it's not mine. But like, Ultimately, the value proposition isn't anyway, but that gives them a an a, um a sort of a an ability to not have to guarantee the existence of the service forever. Yeah, right. And so I'm really curious, and that seems like something that I don't think American consumers will be that excited about that kind of thing. Yeah, even if it ultimately wouldn't be a problem, you know. Well, there's also the fact that there are supposed to be Google Stadia exclusives, 
And so if these if yeah. these exclusives exist in a similar fashion, then um, if Google ever decides they don't want to do the service anymore, these games are no longer available for people to play. Right. So, and or to archive. Yeah, exactly. And so then we lose them forever. Yes. Yeah. And so that's I think that's that's also a problem. Um, I mean, in, in the same vein, like I still every once in a while will take my N64 and play Super Smash Brothers on it. Yeah. So like not being able to play the game five years down the line mm-hmm. wouldn't would be great. I mean, I, I don't disagree. Yeah. Um, I th- there's sort of, you balance these things, but also we sort of already live in that world. Like yeah. famously the story of PT, yeah. the, the, uh-huh. the, the demo that was on PlayStation mm-hmm. and you could download to your hard drive. Right. Yeah. Um, but when they stopped offering it and stopped letting you re-download it when you were licensed for it, it was free. So there was mm-hmm. no concern about any, any retribution from consumers. Yeah. Um, but that isn't, you just cannot get that anymore. Right. And, and the truth is, is like how it, like Konami has the copyright to it. We've talked about copyright on the show before. Yeah. And so like in terms of like preservation and historical archiving, mm-hmm. like that, those are separate issues, I think, from consumer rights. Sure. Necessarily. And so the, uh, Stadia is definitely not the answer to any of that. Like yeah. all, all of that is totally up in the air. Like, but it, th- is that the cost of having, you know, of being able to provide access to a broader base of people? Yeah. Um, I don't know. Um, yeah. But you know, uh, as long as maybe it all, if every game maker went that way, then it, I would be a little more worried about it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I don't know how many exclusives they're planning on having. I guess also like, there's just a lot of questions because we don't know how the service is going to even be oh, yeah. given. So Right. It might be a marginal monthly cost plus the thing of a, it might not be a good value for people. Yeah. Right. It might end up being back into the hands of that same audience. Right. And maybe they do that on purpose so that they can get more tech literate uh, consumers with beefier machines and better internet. Yeah. So they can guarantee more expect a better service, mm-hmm. in which case there's, well, what's the point of it anyway? Yeah. You know? Yeah, exactly. Yep. A lot of questions. Mm-hmm. This is the thing. But like I said before, when we, this was rumored before uh-huh. when we talked about it on the show, I'm just excited about a new, a new controller. <laughs> I love controllers. Like, yeah. And that one looks nice. Yeah, it does look I nice. I want to press all those buttons. Like, <laughs> yeah, we can, all, we can all be excited about a controller. Mm-hmm. I like that. <laughs> I'll be curious to see like what, uh, if, it ha- if it's a Chromecastable device or could you just plug it in your computer and use it like a PC controller? Oh, like, yeah. These are things that's fascinating to me. Yeah, like actually how they will distribute that hardware and how it will be received. Like, mm-hmm. you know, uh, what's the, what's the setup process like? I'm, I'm. It's all fascinating to me. Like, yeah. The user experience of it. I'd like to hear about that too. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, in other news, Sekiro. The you know it came out and people every time a Dark Souls game comes out, the game dev Twitter is like, uh, can you add an easy mode? Yeah, and this is a from software game. This right? is a so from it's not software just game. like Dark Souls; it's made by the people. Yes. Okay. Um, and so, uh, you know, uh, people have been uh, discussing back and forth whether or not this game should have a difficulty mode or or, or difficulty settings, or um, if it's good, if it's accessible, and all of these things. Um, I guess I I I, I personally uh, get tired of this discussion because I feel like a lot of the times people are misconstruing uh, difficulty with accessibility in a lot of instances mm-hmm. um, where people are like, you should make an easy mode so more people uh, can access it and more people um, like with physical disabilities can play the game. And that's not necessarily what the difficulty mode is for. You should add accessibility settings to allow people right. to play the game and not necessarily difficulty settings. And you're, you're in the corner whispering, get good. <laughs> no, <laughs> but I will say that I, <laughs> I will say that I think that like sometimes with particular games and I think a lot of times with some from software games, 
the difficulty is a part of the experience. And so like if you can tune the difficulty so that it is still a challenging experience and it makes sense for uh, the the narrative and gameplay that they're trying to portray, mm-hmm. um, I think that would be a good thing. But I also want to bring up that like adding difficulty settings is not just a in a switch you just turn on you have yeah. to like work on it <laughs> and it would take maybe a few months of you know iteration and development and testing in order to implement it which i don't think is something people bring up either i don't though i don't think that people are like asking for an easy mode and expecting it to be done within a couple of days yeah the like, discussion is excluding the what would it take yeah right yeah that is a lot of time how it is approached um but i don't know i, I just get kind of tired of it because it just it happens every time. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, they haven't listened every time. Like, if yeah. this happened for Dark Souls, right. that was, came out a long time ago. So, in planning this game, like we were talking about in the accessibility episode, um, they probably should have done a little bit more thinking about, like, oh, maybe, maybe what they're saying is like, you know, not everybody's getting a chance to play this game, even even to make a challenge. Like you were saying, like mm-hmm. uh, having having a a mode where you like in Celeste. Yes. There's uh you can either play on regular or you can play on a mode where at any time in the game you can switch things on and off and like yeah. make the timing slower or the uh you know things have to be less precise. Mm-hmm. Um and that's something they if they had thought about it could have added in mm-hmm. easier. Well, I mean, yeah, if, um, I'm at least I, I I'm not a positive on this, but I think like Celeste was probably built. Um, with those in mind. Yeah, exactly. Um, like, maybe they should have thought of that, given all the feedback they've gotten before. <laughs> yeah, I, and I'm sure that they probably did have those discussions. Uh, but I think... But frankly, that, they can afford not to have those considerations. That's also true. <laughs> they, they had a pretty much a guaranteed hit on their hands. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that's very true. Um, but I also think that, like, they, they weighed... Um, they weighed the costs and benefits of, uh, you know, spending... A couple of months, a few months of uh, developing uh, assist mode like things uh, for the game or adding more content to the game. They decided to add more content, um, which I mean, I don't know. Uh, it is within their right to do, um, but it does uh, it does make it that like other people are not able to access the game because of uh, various reasons, um, and it, it shouldn't necess- it shouldn't uh, necessarily just be about like the difficulty of it. But I, I feel like a lot of times there are like the two camps. One person or one camp is trying to ask for an easy mode because they want to be able to play the game um, for a variety of reasons. Maybe it's too difficult for them and they don't um, want to deal with the challenge, which I mean, that's fine. Um, or or like um, it's uh, it's physically harming to play the game at the level that the developers expect you to, which, um, you know, is an accessibility issue. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think there are this, this other camp that I think is largely about like, they want the game to feel, to still feel difficult um, and still feel challenging, um, and other people to experience that difficulty and challenge when they play the game because that um, is an experience that they want other people to share. And yeah. I, by this, I'm talking about like the audience, and audience is asking for the other audience, other other people who are trying to play the game to experience this as well. Right. Um, yeah. Um, I mean, also there are people in the camp who are like, get good, but like, <laughs> I, I'm not interested in talking about that. <laughs> yeah. I'm definitely of two minds about whether there should be an easy mode. I think yeah. like, like in Celeste, I think someone on, I saw on Twitter mm-hmm. proposed like uh, just slowing down time uh, just, you know, would be a rel- relatively easy design solution. With yeah. Implementation doesn't matter yeah. uh, to, to make the game feel the same mm-hmm. with, with still those caveats, right? Yeah. With being able to, but um 
So I have two in mind. One is like, sure, go ahead. You don't ruin the game by making a different version of yeah, it. Yeah, right? exactly. Um, and so, again, apart from what it takes. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I'm, 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 I'm uh, sympathetic to the argument, which is if a game is difficult, then getting to the end is sort of rarefied in terms yeah. of the experience. Yeah. And that is part of the experience. Right. Is I beat the game and I saw the c- cutscene. And yeah, I can watch it on YouTube or whatever, but like yeah. that 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 matters in a sense to players overall experience yeah um i'm somewhat sympathetic to that mainly from the developer perspective yeah if i'm a developer and i want to provide something like that 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 gives the gift of that rare experience to the people who quote unquote earn it yeah and these are just like it's all it's just video games people yeah um (laughs) then i would have a hard time giving that up yeah even in service of of things that like obviously the difference between accessibility and difficulty right. but even in the service of that i would have i'd have to have that discussion like yeah. what does that mean to be able to just let people have it mm-hmm. when the when the when the big sort of feeling of the game right is about ho- withholding it from yeah you. and th- yeah those are the arguments specifically that i i will entertain yeah uh, <laughs> right yeah get good i'm not interested in that yeah i don't because never. the game is fighting game mechanics i'm automatically against it mm-hmm. like so i <laughs> so i'm just like fine make an easy mode so we can watch the fun cutscenes. like yeah. i'm t- i am very sympathetic to those arguments sure well. yeah yeah um yeah that's that's the that's the main thing is like i think that like like my i guess mike myself included if i were to play the game i would like to experience that difficulty and i would like other people who i'm talking with and discussing the game with to experience their form of uh, difficulty that still falls in line with the experience that the developers wanted. Yeah. Um, but I mean, also at the end of the day, it's a game and like you can mod it so that it's easier. Right. <laughs> so, and I think in fact, there is an easy difficulty mod for Shakiro. So like already. Yeah. So okay. uh, there's that like once you own the game, it's yours unless you streamed it and it's not yours. <laughs> and you can't mod it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm, I'm never going to use Stadia then. <laughs> I need to mod it. Uh, yes. Well, that's our show. Uh, if you haven't already, uh, subscribe to Nice Games Club in your favorite podcast app and be sure to give it a good review if you liked it or a nice like us. Uh, we got a bunch of new listeners uh, yes. from um, our adventures in GDC. So welcome new listeners. Yay! Um, and, uh, but, you know, if you really want to be part of the clubhouse, you got to give us that review. Yeah. Uh, go to uh, Apple Podcasts or wherever you review your podcasts and give us a nice old review because mm-hmm. you're real nice and we're <laughs> real nice and we really I'm not, I'm not begging but please <laughs> <laughs> uh, we also hear directly from you so follow us on Twitter and all the other things at Nice Games Club and you can email us at contact at Nice Games Club if you have topic suggestions you have uh, maybe uh, people you want us to try to interview yes. uh, you have complaints about the things that Steven said on this episode yes, yes. Uh, we can we can receive all of those uh, contacts at nicegames.club. Yeah. And lastly, you can find out more about the show, your nice hosts, as well as get all the links and notes from this and other episodes at nicegames.club. And so until we start again, remember to play nice and make nice. That's the news. Is that the news? That's all all the, the news that's what? Did you say, Martha? Fit to pod. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do we have any news that's not fit to pod?
we we can't fit that on the pod. Oh, of course, right? Yeah, silly me. 